We have a lot to talk about on this episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, including Robert Kraft, Zion Williamson, Clayton Kershaw, and make sure you stay tuned till the end of this episode for a great interview with Washington Nationals draft pick, Phil Morris. All that and so much more coming your way next. Stay tuned. I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby, on Sports Podcast. All right. Welcome inside episode 28 of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Josh Kirby, alongside me, my wonderful co-host, CJ Mentier. Thank you, Rat 11 Chips, for sponsoring this episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Make sure you check them out in stores, Martin's, Food Lion, and Giant, and check out their new salt and pepper chips. Man, I could I could go for some salt and pepper chips right now. And before we get started, thank you to Mild Swagger by Cosmo on premiumbeat.com for our new music. We have a lot to get into, CJ. How we doing, sir? Uh, same as always, same as always. Same crap, different day, you know what I'm saying? Eh, I, I, I think your job ain't that bad i wasn't saying i'm just saying same 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 crap different day that's oh, all i'm really? saying oh all right well I, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way but we're back on the grind <laughs> for episode 28 so let's get it started and we have um some big news to start off the podcast robert Kraft gets charged for solicitation of prostitution and news reports are saying that um he started the night of the uh, the morning of the AFC championship game and man, starting early for the old man <laughs> that I, re- I really don't know what to say about this like I I am very shocked very surprised I thought Robert Kraft was actually a pretty good man but uh, you know his wife did die like 10 years ago but yes. what what does this mean for the Patriots organization as of this current moment uh they are Super Bowl champions but what what does this mean for the okay, Patriots well before I answer I want I know how you feel about the Patriots has your picture of the Patriots changed at all well he is the owner of the team and yes you you know it can reflect a pretty big picture but is it going to change the way the Patriots are going to perform in the future no. or anything? No. Prostitute gate. That's what they're going to call it. I guarantee <laughs> Just thought of it in my, or prostigate or something. I don't know. I'm trying. I got so many ideas going in my head right now. I really do because they always come up with some word and then gate at the end of it. Unless you're talking about the saints and bounty gate for me personally, I, I don't, I'm not going to get political. I'm not because there's this whole other situation going on with sex trafficking. Okay. About how Robert Kraft, basically they don't really care for Robert Kraft, but they care that sex trafficking is still going on, especially with a lot of the rings going around the United States and all over the world. I'm not going to get into that. Personally, Josh, you said it, his wife died a long time ago. Okay. And for him, he's an owner of the best, football franchise in the history of the NFL. And I'm very surprised too, because an old man like that, I thought women would be at his beck and call. I'm serious. I seriously thought so. (laughs) I don't blame him. I really don't. Like I said, his, his wife died 10 years ago. And if the, and if the guy wanted to see a woman for the first time, and I don't know how long, I don't I don't feel bad for him. I don't. Because guess what? He's going to make bail easily. This isn't a murder charge. This isn't Aaron Hernandez where a murder charge is happening and you are basically going to spend the rest of your life in prison. This is easily... He has been charged, but this is easily a crime that could be easily bailed out by him. Because yeah, he can, we, we, I mean, there are reports saying a sweep they conducted had Robert Kraft and actually a few other big names. I think uh, the CEO of Citibank was involved. 
I, I I'm know. not I'm not for sure, but I'm more focused on the aspect of sports, especially from the best from the owner of the best football franchise, Robert Kraft. Yeah, um Yeah, and we already answered this question, but the Patriots, they're obviously obviously not going to be affected by this controversy on the field. No. They've yeah. been able to overcome adversity before. Even even with the whole Spygate incident and and uh, Deflate Gate, <laughs> ever since Deflate Gate has happened, they have only. Oh my God, oh my God, we could possibly see another three Pete then from the Patriots now that there's going to be Prostitute Gate. Oh man, because ever since Deflate Gate happened, they've won the Super Bowl twice and have been to it three times. Oh man, think of the possibilities. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but yeah, I could possibly see them just go because they get mad because the NFL loves to drop the hammer on the Patriots. They do that. That's what Roger Goodell has done. They love to drop no first round draft picks for you. Okay, we have a six round draft pick quarterback and has won six Super Bowls. Anything else? Yeah. All right. So now another question for you. Do you think? There will be any punishment by the league or something for this? Yeah, I just said it. The NFL will drop the hammer on them because it's the New England Patriots. Other teams, they might get a slap on the wrist. But since it's the New England Patriots, you just won the Super Bowl. You're supposed to represent the NFL as the premier organization of the NFL for this season. I I do see Roger Goodell and the NFL dropping the hammer on these guys. Possibly losing a draft pick or two. But as I said, that doesn't really matter because the Patriots are still going to find a way to win. Yeah. So. And as you said, it doesn't affect them on the field. Yeah. It really isn't going to affect them. Yeah. So um, as news coverage starts to break more about this, we'll keep you informed. But um, I want to go on to our next topic here and something I really could not believe. Duke player Zion Williamson. He's been really good lately. Very, very good. He blew his foot out of his shoe and sprained his knee. I I mean, I'm not sure. Have you ever seen a player blow out of his shoe before? Because I sure haven't. Yeah. And especially since I work in equipment, seeing a guy of that size... Yeah, that shoe was not made for him, especially. I The whole – yes, I have seen blowouts like that before. I haven't seen a serious injury, and it's not even a serious injury. It's a grade one knee sprain. He, he's out against Virginia Tech, just so you know. Oh, darn. <laughs> well, I know ESPN is just like, come on, Zion, come on, come on, come on, come on, because that's all ESPN does. If you ever see any posts from ESPN, it's always about, like, Zion Williamson, first Virginia Tech. It's like, oh, I didn't. I thought there were four other basketball players for Duke, but I guess not. You've never seen that? It's like ESPN has a hard-on for freaking Zion Williamson. I don't understand. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, he he's a pretty impressive player Against UVA, in their eyes. Against yeah. UVA, the freaking uh, video that went on, it just showed highlights of Zion. It's like, oh, where are the other Duke basketball players yeah. that help him win? Yeah, yeah, of course. But, um... That, I mean, what with you being in equipment, what would have been the issue? Why would he have blown out of his shoe? Is it because his foot was too big, or the shoe wasn't designed well? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really following okay. how. So I have a couple of theories on this. One of them has to be that he is an athlete who gets what he wants. He is a big name. And when you're in equipment and you have an athlete that comes through that basically gets what he wants, you don't have a say in anything. You really don't. Especially considering that everybody in the country wants to know what Zion is doing at every single time. They want to see how many breaths he takes whenever he sleeps. You don't have a say in anything. But as an equipment manager, you have to make sure that the kid is safe. But also, you have to understand, this dude is six foot eight, 270 pounds. Those shoes, there are not a lot of shoes who are made for a man like that to play basketball. There just aren't. He's one of the biggest basketball players that I have seen, and it's rightfully so why they talk about him for that. 
that's one of my theories. Number two is his carelessness in not changing out his shoes. Listen, the equipment manager has a duty to keep up to date with their players. Of course he does. But the players also have a duty to come up and ask the equipment manager, hey, could I get a new pair of shoes? No, you're only in basketball. No. In basketball, <laughs> you get shoes all the time. It's like tennis. You're, the wear and tear on the bottom of your shoes is going to give out very fast. And so you should be getting a new pair of shoes. But also those shoes that I saw, they did not look that worn out. Yeah. And that's why I'm still saying the first theory that I had that a lot of shoes are not made for that guy, especially at a school like Duke that has a Nike sponsorship because Nike, oh, oh my God, all the talk about Nike and how like Nike really dropped the bomb on this one. It's like, how in the world are they supposed to predict a 6'8", 270 pound man is going to come right into college and be the star of the town and also just blow out of his shoe on one of the most important nights in his career, of course. But also, Zion is not the reason that they lost that game. Him being out is not the reason that they lost that game. They lost by 16 points, okay? When you give up, I think it was 30 points in the paint, yeah, you're going to lose a game. I promise you that. You will lose. Even if you're down a player, you're still going to lose the game. So I'm still sticking with my number one theory that he needs some different kinds of shoes. For the love of God, there are plenty of Nike brand shoes out there. Kyrie's, LeBron's, Jordan's. You have all these different shoes that are under that Nike sponsorship that he can wear. Okay, And it seems like everyone's, everyone's saying, yeah, he should take the money and sit out the rest of the season. And that, to me, is very disrespectful. Because if that is the case for Zion, I don't know how that's... Well, no, I know how that's going to look for NBA teams. NBA teams will go, oh, as long as he's a good player, <laughs> give me a hug, man. We're going to win so many games, right? Wow, man. That's the NBA, though. And still... leading into our next topic, uh, branching off from this, the NBA just recently lowered their draft age from 19 years old to 18 years old. Could this as could this have been a result from Zion's injury? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because having insurance policies to make sure that you can make it to the NBA, I think the last player who really made like a sub substantial sighting after one year in college was Anthony Davis because he played on a Kentucky team that literally went to the finals, won the national championship, won the final four. And they also had a lot of great players, but he was also the guy that everyone knew in college basketball back in 2011. Now Zion, I don't know. Personally, I think that he is going to go to the, the NBA. I do. But seeing the draft age drop down, like, man, it really is just, I think it's stupid, man. Because you got to get some college experience for these kids who want to go to the NBA. They got to at least get some college experience because guess what? They're going to be getting a lot of money thrown at them whenever they sign their contract. And how are they going to learn? How else are they going to learn? What is the NBA rookie meeting or whatever? Because the NFL has it where they talk to rookies about how handling their money. They don't freaking listen. They don't listen to that stuff. They're like, oh, just got 12 million strippers and Twizzlers. Here I come. <laughs> That's all they do. That's all they do. And, and when I see Zion, I see a kid who's smart enough. And if you actually hear him talk, he's very well, well sophisticated. He is. He's not a dumb dumb. You don't get into Duke for being stupid. You don't. You have to have the good grades to get in there. And I think he's smart enough to understand that, like, look, if I play another year in college and really prove myself, because I don't know how long he's going to be out. And if this knee sprain could affect his game, I don't know if it will affect his game because it possibly could. And could you imagine that coming off of an injury and then being drafted in the NBA? That could really hurt his draft stock then because he hasn't been able to play. And as you said, he's not playing against Virginia Tech tonight. So 
I don't like it because, the, okay, the one exception is LeBron James. Yep, I was going to say that. Okay, the, the – oh, really? Were you? Were you now? Were you? <laughs> no. It, LeBron James is the one exception because I don't think we'll ever see an athlete just come straight out of high school, make it to college, make more money than he'll ever make in his life just from endorsements. It's crazy to me how LeBron James has had no college. He's had to learn everything on his own from being in the NBA, and he has been very successful at it. While people hating on him for greatness, I think it's a very – it's when I see that the age has dropped back down to 18, it's like the NFL now, man. People are going to go for the money. Yeah. They really are. Yeah, I, I think it's – the same thing a couple weeks ago when we were talking about college and Kyler Murray and all that declaring for the draft early, you know. You, you got to get some college experience in it. With the age down to 18, um, I, do, I just don't think it's a good thing because they're going to – their scouts are going to see people straight from high school, offer them big-time money. They're going to fail. You know, so most people will fail. I'm not saying everybody will, no, but yeah, absolutely. It, but you know, like what, and then the road they go down next. I mean, it could be bad. You know, they could be irresponsible with their money. I mean, they could be good, but you know, you got to tends get that, to happen. It you, does. You got to get that college experience in. Like seriously, I, college isn't for everybody. I understand that. It's not. You. For a lot of people, you don't need degrees to get ahead in life, and I understand that. But for someone who is trying to make a professional career and being handed lots of money, I really think they need to get at least a little bit of experience in college with I, some courses. I'd say at least two years college basketball. I agree with that, too. And for other players, they're like, look, I did this, and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to go to the NBA but a lot of these players, I really don't think you'll see them go into broadcasting. I guess you'll see them go into sports basically yeah. because they're color commentators then because they played the game. That's the only way you can be a color commentator really is by actually playing the game or, or being a part of the sport itself. Well, a lot of these players though, after, after they're done with college, they don't graduate with their degrees. No, and they, they go, go on to play. They go on to play, and then after they're done, there's no job security out there for those players. There isn't. Mm -hmm. There isn't anything guaranteed out there for them. And so I wish that a lot more players – I wish it's not going to happen. I wish a lot more players would understand that, like, look, it's great that you're going for your money, and it's great to have some security for that. But having a degree will at least give you a backup plan whenever your job is done. Yeah, for the definitely. For the love of God, Joshua Dobbs, who's Pittsburgh's backup quarterback, he has a degree in aerospace engineering. Okay, oh, I think that's a good backup plan. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. He could probably make uh, not probably a quarter of what he makes in the NFL, but still. I'm saying that like Zion, everyone's like, oh, he should just sit out the rest of the season and take the money. And go, and then people are saying there there needs to be some. Uh, no, it was it was for the game that the tickets were twenty five hundred dollars each, and they said Zion should have gotten some of that money because he got hurt. Why? What? How is that supposed to be expected if he got hurt? Yeah, I I don't understand. There's that. there's just a lot of excuses going around. What I see is this: I see a freaking accident happen. I do. But I also don't blame Nike for this because, for the love of God, he's six foot eight, two hundred seventy pounds. He's a mountain of a man, and to predict something like this to happen, it could happen. But you just there's not much you can do with a mountain of a man like this. And then finally, my last point is that I hope Zion stays in college, and I hope he shocks everybody and says, like, look. I love that I have the chance to play in the NBA, but I'm here to get an education because I need a backup plan whenever I'm done playing basketball. Because I'm sure the life expectancy of an NBA player is higher than an NFL player, but it can't be by that much. Mm -hmm. And it can't be what James Harden gets. You don't get that many contracts to get what James Harden or LeBron James or what these players get. 
So yeah, that's yeah. my that's my opinion on the matter. Yeah, um and going off that point, um John Wall from Kentucky, Wizards player, he ruptured his Achilles. Yes. He went he went back and he finished school because he wasn't playing NBA. He did something productive and went back and got his degree. It's better than just it's better than just taking the money and not being productive at all. Of course, he's going to have rehab. He's going to have surgery. Yeah, and with his time not playing, he went out, got his degree. And especially with the amount of money that he has, he doesn't have to pay a dime for his college degree. Well, I mean, he has to use his money up, but still, getting millions of dollars, he could pay for a great program degree. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, did you did you hear on a separate note, Pina Tillman is now an FBI, FBI agent. agent. I think that's been going around for a while. That like he, he no, he said he wanted to after he retired. Yeah, I think so that's what he said. That's a pretty good backup plan. Yeah, yeah. to be a FBI agent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Watch CJ get in trouble. Pina Tillman will show up at his house and arrest him, and then Coach Mentir will be, oh, Peanut, oh, Peanut, let autograph. me get your autograph, bud. Say, Can I get an autograph jersey for my sports bar? <laughs> Can I get my son's handcuffs back? Could you, audi- could you autograph him, please? <laughs> could you autograph him? Yeah, but um, moving right along. Spring training tone. news from the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw has been sidelined. Um, I believe I... Most certainly believe this is a precautionary measure, so he does not get injured or anything. Um, well, I, he already is injured. No, I, I forget. <laughs> I forget what happened. Was it an arm or what was it? I believe it was an arm. Yeah, yeah I think it was. An, yeah, I you think know. it had to deal with the the one thing that he has to use. Yeah, to he, pitch. Yeah. yeah. So sideline. That's obviously a precautionary measure because. If it was sore or anything, yeah, you wanna you wanna sit him for spring training, get him get him healthy for the regular season. But another thing, they did this. I think Dave Roberts did this, so because I I think this is a make or break year for Dave Roberts because the Dodgers, you know how they are. They made it to the World Series last year, but they're so inconsistent in the playoffs. So, yeah. I, I think this is a move Dave Roberts had to make in order to um, not get speculated upon. So um, I'm sure Clayton will be fine pitching in the regular season like normal, but uh, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but let's hear them. Well, it okay, so I disagree with that by saying that I think this is a make-or-break year for Kershaw because – this is a guy who, as we have said constantly, and MLB fans have said, which Kershaw are you really going to get? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to get the the Cy Young Award winner, Kershaw, or are you going to get the screaming, just terrible pitch, Kershaw? Are you going to get that type? Yeah. And he just signed a three-year, $93 million extension this past offseason. And then, to be honest with you, I'm like, Why? What has he done to prove himself to get another contract extension for that much money? $31 million a year? How is he worth that much? I know he's taking you to the playoffs, but in the playoffs, what has he done for you? Inconsistent. Inconsistency and is what I, he has done. And I don't disagree with you on that. It could be a make or break year for Kershaw, but Dave Roberts, I don't think he's the right fit in L.A. He... Yeah, I, 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 when I watched that Red well, Sox... Well, they can't find anybody in L.A., it seems. Yeah, I to mean... To be a good manager. Yeah, but Dave Roberts, I, I think if he doesn't... If he makes it to the playoffs and loses in, like, the first, second round, he's gone. I, I just do not see Dave Roberts staying past this season. Okay, well, the only thing I'll say that is that the owners, then, of the Dodgers are idiots, then. That's all I got to say for that, because if the man has taken your team to the playoffs three years in a row, and especially to the World Series twice. Yeah, I I understand that, but the thing about it is I don't like how he manages his team in the playoffs. And oh, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't question that because, I, yeah, it's it's like they just fall I off. Seriously, I mean, Dave Roberts, yeah, he gets his team to the playoffs, and but I just really don't think he's a good fit in L.A., um, and... I I think I I'm 
thinking that he might be gone after this season if the Dodgers fall short or make it to the first round or something like that. Yeah, it really depends on how the players and the team just play in the playoffs. Because, yeah, they look like the unstoppable force in the regular season, always showing up towards the top, the number one seed. But then, like we said, they struggle, and they struggled to get to the finals this year. And they played the Boston Red Sox. And and don't get me wrong, the Boston Red Sox were the best team in the MLB this year. I understand that. Yep. But for two years in a row, you would think that the Dodgers would have a full head of steam saying, look, we screwed it up the previous year. We lost in seven games to the Houston Astros. And then we come out and we do this to the Red Sox. It's pitiful. That's that's absolutely pitiful. Yeah. But once again, it is a long Quoting season. Jim Moore. What? It is a long season, so you never know. Yeah, but once playoff time comes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All that matters is those seven games are... Yeah, I, I know. I was just saying. And oh, really? Oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, uh, a few short points. Coda Glover, um, arm tightness for the Nationals in spring training. He has been... Uh, he played and he got removed after they figured out he had arm tightness. CJ, really quick, we have like 30-second segments here, okay? We're, we're going to try this, like rapid fire. Randy Gregory, suspended from the Cowboys. Randy has been missed more games due to suspension that he has played in his career. Got yeah, it. well, I just want to rattle off a tweet here from Ian Rappaport. You know, and it says like that he was suspended indefinitely for – violating the policy and program of substance abuse in the terms of his conditional reinstatement. Big blow for Dallas. Oh, I know what Randy Gregory was blowing on the sidelines or at his home, <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, and now we might possibly have another defensive lineman for the Cowboys gone in David Irving. David I'm so Irving. happy. <laughs> Uh-oh, yep. Uh, so, Cowboys, I don't know. We'll have to see in the weeks to come. Michael Crabtree from the Ravens. Gets cut. Your thoughts now. And now. No. I Yeah, Michael Crabtree, he's getting old. I understand. And the Ravens, he did pretty good. But I just think that he's not I, – I wouldn't say that he's a top two receiver for a lot of teams now because he didn't get his targets well because they had John Brown. They had Willie Sneed. They had Hurst that came in as their – draft pick tight end so they had a lot of other weapons that they were able to use other than crabtree so i'm not surprised with the call to release him yeah um yeah he was getting old you know that that's all i'll pretty much say he was getting old and the ravens are moving in a different direction uh last rapid fire former redskins head coach jim zorn announced the new xfl um, general manager and head coach for the Seattle XFL team. Seattle made a big mistake there. Do you agree? No, I think they made an excellent decision. Really? No, I'm just joking <laughs> with you. I just, I don't know too much about this Jim Zorn. I know you know more about him than I do. No, I'm sure you've watched some of the games. Oh uh, yeah, the Years fake ago. punt, like that terrible fake punt against the Giants, and you know just. But anyways, yep, um, if you heard me talk about at the beginning of the show, I had the opportunity to talk to Washington Nationals draft pick Phil Morse from our backyard, Shenandoah University. He played his college ball there. He was gracious enough to take the time to get on the phone and interview with me, and we we had a great time talking, so... um. We're going to roll that interview right now, then come back for our final thoughts on the podcast. So, Phil Morris on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast right now. Josh Kirby back with you on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, brought to you by Route 11 Chips. Make sure you check them out in stores, Martin's, Food Lion, and Giant, and make sure you try their new salt and pepper chips because they're delicious. I have on the phone with me now Phil Morris. Phil Morse, um, a draft pick from the Washington Nationals about three years ago, if I'm correct, coming from Shenandoah University right here in Winchester, Virginia. Phil, thanks so much for 
joining us tonight. Um, how's it going, man? How's the uh, career treating you for baseball so far? Well, Josh, I want to thank you for having me on the show. I know I've been been in contact recently, and I've been listening to your podcast and all that stuff every time you you know you send the link to me, and I share them with my friends. So I'm really excited to be on on your show, and um, happy that you're achieving something that you love to do and in media and, and all that stuff. So, um, but when it comes to me, it's, uh, it's been quite the grind the last three years going into my fourth, my fourth season, third full season. Um, you know, it's been kind of like a roller coaster effect so far. Um, you know, I've been doing really well and then there's been times where I haven't been doing well. Um, but you know, I give credit to the, the coaches in our organization and the coordinators that, really keep you focused um to to be the best that you can be um you know like i said it's been tough and you got to keep going from keep making improvements every single day there's always something you can work on um and it's definitely different from where i came from at a at the division three level uh, at shenandoah um you know it's much quicker the game's much quicker uh, the hitters are so much better. You can't get away with, you know, 94, 96 uh, in, pro, in pro ball because that's kind of the average velocity at this level. Uh, I could get away with it at the Division three level, but nowadays you just got to learn how to be a pitcher, learn how to set guys up. Um, you know, I'm a fastball-dominant pitcher, so I have to be able to set my fastball up, throw my other pitches for strikes, get them off balance blow them away with fastball type thing. So uh, it's definitely been quite the ride. Uh, I'm excited to see how this season goes. Uh, me and my little brother, who's also a draft pick out of Shenandoah University, Colin, Colin Morse. Um, he was drafted this past year in June. We're going into our first spring training together. We're both super excited. We both worked really hard this off season, both put on about 25 pounds. Um, just worked on a lot of mobility, uh, staying loose, because uh, over the course of a six-month season, everything gets tight. Um, you know, it's it's hard to stay healthy. You know, you're getting treatment just about every other day at the pro level. And just to be able to grind through an everyday schedule, which consists of the same thing, really. Um, so we're both excited to get down there to Florida. We leave this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, uh, to get started in, our, in Colin's first spring training and going into my third spring training. Um, so. Yeah, man, we're we're both we're we're excited and we're uh, we're both eager to get back on a baseball field and compete. Yeah, 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 that's amazing. And your brother gets drafted too, so you're both in the same organization together, which which is crazy. So, um, uh, I sort of want to start here from the beginning, um, uh, with Shenandoah and how that was like for you, um. Going from Shenandoah, then reacting to you actually getting drafted to the Nationals. Just walk walk us through what that was like for you. Like when you realized that you got drafted to the Washington Nationals. Right. Yeah. So out of high school, I didn't have many schools kind of looking at me. In high school, I was, you know, the small late bloomer. Um, barely pitched in high school. I think I threw like maybe five or 10 career innings in high school. Uh, I was majority playing in the outfield as a center fielder. You know, our, our starting pitcher, our ace at the time was Josh Spores, who was the uh, closer at UVA and the draft pick by the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's, I'm pretty sure he's in, he was in AAA this past year and just added to the 40 man roster for them uh, this off season. But I, I, I could be wrong. But anyways, he was our ace. And then our number two was a guy by the name Brock Hunter. And uh, he ended up pitching at Coastal Carolina, I think, for two years. He hurt his ACE or UCL, got it repaired, then transferred to George Mason, finished his career there. So behind those two guys, I never really got a chance to, you know, to get off the mound. Um, they were going seven innings apiece every other day, uh, which is the length of a high school game. And, you know, I, the recruiting was, was tough. You know, my parents – uh, really helped me, like, kind of, you know, make a bit a recruiting video. Um, we used, uh, I can't remember what the, 
the website was called, but we used a we used a recruiting website and put my video out on the website. You know, wrote a quick paragraph about myself, what I want to major in, you know, why I'm why I'd be a good asset to a team, a college program. Um, and I, I didn't really hear hear anything, so we we narrowed it down to you know a couple schools, um, and we reached out to them. They ended up calling us, inviting us to you know, for overnights, come visit the school, you know, et cetera. Uh, and then I narrowed it down to, I think, three schools. It was Shenandoah University, Catholic University of America, and George Mason. Um, I wanted to walk on at Mason. Uh, it was close to home, very close to home. I live about 15 minutes away from Mason, so I could have stayed at home or, you know, lived on campus. Um, Catholic University of America, which was in D.C., you know, I practically grew up in D.C. when my dad was a police officer down there. I just love the city. You know, D.C. is just kind of like you know, it, if you had to put a label on, you know, a city that had my name on it, it would probably be probably be Washington D.C. And I could see myself living down there. And you know, after baseball is done, I want to work in the government down there. So um, that was a big reason why. And then Shenandoah. Uh, it, it didn't really interest me at first. Um, it was kind of out of the way, an hour away, kind of like in the countryside-ish, um, in a town I've never been before. You know, I, 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 grew, I grew up next to Tyson's Corner, which is kind of kind of hectic during, you know, specific times of the day or during the holidays or something like that. So going from like a big city to a quiet, laid-back town was going to be an adjustment for me. Uh, little did I know that the program was, you know, been to the World Series in 2009, 2010. I didn't really look and research much into the baseball team, uh, but I knew that they had a good team. Uh, and finally, <clears throat> when it came down to committing somewhere, I, I waited till the last possible day, did all my research. Um, George Mason was out of the picture, uh, so it was between Catholic and Shenandoah. And, I looked even deeper when it came to majors. I, w I was a criminal justice major, and I wanted to do that, and Catholic didn't have that major. So Shenandoah was, was the fit for me. Um, you know, I, when I came in, a little nervous. I was a puny little freshman. Um, didn't know what, what my role was going to be. I was actually a primary outfielder, like I said. I was in high school. And uh, get to SU and basically was probably 85, 88 as a freshman, which at the D3 level is, you know, pretty impressive, you know, especially for a freshman. And our head coach was like, you know, look, you know, you're a pretty good outfielder, but we want you to be in our rotation this year. If you want to play, you're going to probably have to stick with pitching. And I said, you know what, if, if it means I'm going to play, I'll work my ass off on, you know, being a, being a pitcher. And that's what I did. I stuck to it. You know, my first year, I was the starting pitcher. I think I was number two or three uh, behind Daryl Thompson, who's a standout. And uh, we had Nick McMahon at the time, who was a senior. Uh, he was our ace. Then my sophomore year, it was me and Daryl, one and two, kind of switching it off. Um, we brought in Colin. Uh, I kind of take credit for that um, just because – you know, I did all the recruiting. I brought him to the school for an overnight. Uh, our coaches were always asking if he was committing here or whatever. And I was like, well, he hadn't even, you haven't even seen him pitch yet. Finally got to see him pitch, and our head coach was like, we need him to come here. Um, so he finally came. He actually beat me out for the starting job, starting pitcher job. Our head coach was like, look, if, you know, you and your brother are going to be in our rotation, I should probably put you in the bullpen because you're a heavy below guy. You know, I, that was at the time, my junior year, I, you know, I was 90, 92, 94. Um, so I moved to the bullpen, and that year we won a championship, Bodak championship. Uh, and after my junior year, I didn't have many, I guess, scouts looking at me. So the possibility of getting drafted, you know, it was definitely a vision. It was definitely a goal, but it wasn't realistic yet because teams weren't calling, teams weren't sending me you know, questionnaires or anything like that. <clears throat> so I ended up playing in the, the Cal Ripken Collegiate Baseball League, which is kind of based out of Maryland and Virginia. 
and I was on a team called the Gaithersburg Giants, and I was their closer. And at that time, I, you know, I lifted just about every day, worked out just about every day, put about 15, 20 pounds of muscle on my body. You know, my velocity jumped from 92 to 96, 98. And I guess the last, the last day of the season, our head coach kind of called me. My college head coach, Kevin Anderson, called me and was like, look, Texas, Texas Rangers called me sent me an email and want to send you some stuff. And ever since that day, it was just about every other day I was getting some sort of email from a team handing me a questionnaire, which basically is just like a personal information, medical record type thing, just so they can get a background on you. Um, and then during the fall season, a couple teams came out that senior, my senior year that fall, a couple teams came out and were watching me and, then the spring season came around, and it was just about every single day, um, every game, regardless if I pitched or not, there was there was a team there. Washington seemed to be the uh, the magnet, I guess. They were always coming back. Um, you know, me and the scout, uh, Bobby Myrick, who's the who's the scout that signed me and my brother, uh, we're on. We're pretty good personal friends now, and I actually met him once before in high school. Uh, my senior year, when he was looking at Josh, um, they were trying to draft him out of high school. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I introduced myself, just asked him for tips and pointers. And I remember him and my dad kept in contact, and Bobby reached out to my dad and said, hey, I'm going up to Shenandoah. I know your sons are there. I'm going up because I got a pitcher or a senior right-hander um, from Vienna who – Throw was pretty hard, so I'm gonna go look at him. My dad was like, "Well, that's you know, that's Phil, it's my son." And he said, "No way." So, ever since that, he kept a good look at me. Um, senior year ended, teams were calling, and uh, you know, I was being told I could go the first day, the second day, the third day. You know, I didn't, I don't know what to believe, especially as a D3 athlete. Um, you know, going the first three rounds is near impossible. Um, the second day, I, I could believe it. Uh, but, you know, nobody called. Third day, I the anxiety was through the roof. Um, I got a call from Arizona, you know, after the 10th round, I did the second day and said, when <clears throat> the draft starts on day three, we're going to pick you in the 11th round. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know, let's do it. Like, I'll, I'll send for a plane ticket in my favorite favorite candy I don't care uh and nobody called so I ended up actually going to DC to get my kind of get my thoughts together and I walked around the, the mall down there went into a couple museums and my dad was kept updating me what round it was and you know the last 30 rounds they they go by in a you know two or three hours it's just real quick and uh finally I was I was in the National Gallery of Art I don't even know why I was in there and my phone started going bananas. And when it, when that happened, I kind of knew. I just didn't know what team. Um, and, and then the rest is history. So uh, I'm blessed to be a part of a great organization um, and, a, and an awesome franchise that just keeps growing every single year. Uh, and I'm excited to see what the Major League team does. And I'm excited to see what this season brings for me and uh, also to see what it brings for my little brother as well. Yeah, yeah, that is such a great story you are telling right there, and um, and it's just great to see that you're succeeding so well. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Since you've been drafted, you have been with the Auburn Double Double Days and the Hagerstown Suns, correct? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, with those two teams um being two separate divisions um. Well, what what are some of the differences you've seen in play between with both of those teams, and um, wh what did you like, and what what was different for you? Well, I think it's an experience thing. Um, when you look at Auburn, it's it's a short season. Um, it's about two and a half, almost three months. They start middle of June, um, so you're only playing, you know, seventy games. Um, that that level is more for guys that just got drafted. 
um, or spent some time in extended that haven't made the Hagerstown or Potomac roster. Um, so it's an experience thing. I, I think I think Auburn is um, an adjustment level. Um, I know that's where I went after I first signed. I spent, I think it was about 15 days in the Gulf Coast League after I signed. Uh, had a really good game. You know, that night I got moved up to Auburn and finished the season there. And you can definitely see, you know, all those guys on that team that season were all new draft guys or uh, young high school picks that we had drafted prior, you know, the year before, the year before that, that had spent some time in the organization or you know, stuff like that. So I, I think the difference between Auburn and Hagerstown is experience. Um, also, you know, a lot of rehab guys when we were on our AAA affiliate with Syracuse at the time, you know, you see a lot of guys who were maybe injured coming down from AAA um, <clears throat> to get some innings because Auburn and Syracuse are only about 25, 30 minutes apart. Um, so I, I think the big dif- the biggest difference is experience. When you get to Hagerstown, it's a full season. You know, you start right after camp. You know, it's a five and a half, six month grind. Um, the travel's longer. It's every single day. You know, you get a little bit more. You get a lot more off days. Um, they're not as, I guess, frequent. Uh, in Auburn, I think you only got maybe five, five total off days or something like that. Um, and you got about two or three a month. Um, in Hagerstown and at the full season level. So um, the game is, I mean, it gets quicker at each level too. The game is much quicker at Hagerstown. I know it's going to be quicker in Potomac and AA. And then in Fresno, it's basically, you know, if you're not going to the big leagues from AA, you're going to Fresno, which is basically a call away. So um, I think the experience is, the experience and adjustment is different. Um, Definitely an adjustment going to Hagerstown, being able to get through a six-month season of every day and the travel and all that stuff. So I think that would be the biggest, the biggest difference between the both, uh, both levels. Yeah, th- that's awesome. So um, g- going into this season, where do you expect you're going to be ending up this year? Um, well, first, you know, I, I want to go into spring training. Uh, I want to turn some heads. Uh, it's been a tough. The last two spring trainings, I think my my first year, I had a little a little lat strain, um, which kind of held me back um, just a little bit. Um, so I spent about two and a half months in extended, and then last year, I didn't make a roster last year, uh, which was pretty disappointing, um, you know. But I only spent I think it was maybe two and a half three weeks in extended, and then I got back up to Hagerstown and finished the year there. So. You know, the the goal for this year is to is to break camp. Um, I want to make a roster, make a team, uh, not have to spend time in extended. Uh, and that all comes down to if I could be consistent um, in spring training. If I can go out there every single game, pound the strike zone, you know, get outs as quick as possible. Um, and, you know, I hear, I hear Kevin Anderson in, in the back of my head, you know, 15 pitches or less, you know, get those three outs as quick as possible. Um, if if, they, if guys get hits off me, you know, great. Um, I'd rather get hit than walk people, obviously. Uh, make them earn the runs. Make them earn every bag. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing with me is just being consistent, and I think I've been in the consistent, inconsistent the last three years with the roller coaster effect. You know, I've been really, really good first stretch and then I've it's like I've never played before for a stretch. So for me, staying consistent, um, get rid of the amount of bad games. You know, it's you're not gonna be perfect every game obviously, uh, but limit the amount of back to back bad games or that that stretch phase, so yeah, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um uh, so, you know, it'd be, I hope I can land in Potomac, um, but it all comes down to how I perform in spring training because anything can happen in spring training. Uh, I can go in there. I could pitch well. I'll, I'll be turning 25 in May, and, you know, things things won't go the way I want it to. I just got to keep grinding. Uh, or I can go in there from day one, turn some heads, and, and make something happen, and that's, that's kind of where I want to be. 
you know, I, I have the my back is up against the wall effect going on right now because um, I have a lot to prove, and I don't think I've proved it yet. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's not too late to prove anything. Um, so I'm hoping to go into spring training and and uh, make a statement. Yeah, and um, I'll definitely be rooting for you, man, because great things are coming for you. But uh, continuing, um, so Major League, the Nationals are already in spring training, but yeah. you have a couple more weeks. In, I, I'm sorry, a couple more days until spring training. So what's the difference between the – two spring trainings like um like are you all at the same facility or what 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 is that like because i know the <clears throat> nationals started like yesterday or the day before but you're going right. in a little bit later yeah the big league camp and minor league camp are two separate uh spring trainings we're at the same facility so yes i see scherzer walking around rendon zimmerman i i see all those wow. guys walking around um, we're not in the same clubhouse. They have their own clubhouse. We have ours. Um, we share, uh, the same, you know, um, rehab room, I guess the hot tub, the cold tubs. Um, but it, it's different, you know, while the, the major league guys like pitchers and catchers reported, I think the 12th or the 13th of February. And that's because they got to get ready to, I guess the first game is tomorrow. Uh, the 23rd. Yeah, Saturday, 630. Yeah, so they're playing the Astros, so they're they're getting a jump start. You know, pitchers and catchers get a jump start, um, but they've already been working beforehand because we're given a throwing program. Um, so the big league guys, they're they're already ready when they get in there. It's just getting everybody together uh, and all that stuff. For the minor league guys, that we come a little bit later um, because we're not a part of the forty man roster, obviously. Um, nothing's nothing's different about the two camps. We do you know the same drills. The only thing different is the coaching staff. You know, the big major league coaching staff is different than the minor league coaching staff. Um, we all follow the same same signs, rules, whatever. Um, you know, the only difference is we're not playing in the stadium or with the big league guys. Now, it's when big league guys need ABs, like at bats, they can, there's usually three or four of them that come down and jump into a lineup real quick when we're doing inner squads. Um, so I, I give you an example. I think it was <clears throat> my first camp. We were doing an inner squad, and the first guy I faced was Pedro Severino. Uh, and then the, next, the second guy was Jason Wirth. And then, obviously, after that, it was just minor leaguers. But whenever they're there, they are the main priority. So... You know, I could I could have got I could have gone one two three that inning. The next pitcher would have came out. The first batter he would have faced again was Pedro Severino or Jason Worth. They don't have to go play defense or anything like that. When they're out there, they're just trying to get ABC live pitching uh, and 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 work on what they're good at type of thing. So um, yeah, nothing's different between the two camps. It's just one shows up earlier. Um, now there are some minor leaguers that are down there now for early minor league camp um that's usually you know our top prospects um guys that are new draft guys um and stuff like that so there's already maybe a you know 25 plus guys down there already uh but then the rest of the pitchers and catchers report march 1st so um and then position players i think are march 3rd so yeah nothing's different between the two camps yeah, I, I see with that. So, um, uh, what's it like when you get down there? Like, um, are you in a hotel for all this time, or what? What What's the situation like for that? Yeah, so I'm driving. Me and my brother are driving down. Um, Ooh, not yeah, flying. We, 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 no, we, we. It's good to have a car down there um, because the van system. A lot of the Dominican guys don't have their cars. Um, so we do stay at a hotel in West Palm beach. Um, we're in the Marriott and, um, you know, a lot of, if the only way you can stay out of a hotel, I think it's, if you're married, um, have spent four or five seasons in the organization, um, 
or if you're on the 40-man roster, um, I would prefer to live in a hotel anyways because we don't have to pay okay. anything. Oh, so it's mandatory unless you meet those requirements that you yeah. stay in the hotel. Yeah. Um, so I prefer living in the hotel. The hotel is super nice. You know, it's got a pool. It's it's, it's a five-star. Um, I'll be rooming with my little brother this year, and we'll be keeping an eye on each other. We'll be working together. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, they you know, they put us in a hotel down there. Uh, me and Connor are driving down. Um, wake up every single day. Probably around 6.37. Get to the stadium by a specific time. Get treatment if you need it. Get stretched out. And then, you know, the team meeting is usually around 8.30. And then we get going for a couple hours. So, yeah. That, well, that is amazing. So, um. Uh, when you were down there in your previous spring trainings, have you ever associated, like, talked to any of the big leaguers or gotten any advice from them, or are you just off doing your separate things? Um, I actually got to – I think it might have been – no, it was my first spring training when I was coming back from my lat strain. Um, we had just gotten Stephen Drew. Or no, no, we didn't have him. He was rehabbing a hamstring, I think it was. And he came down, and I was throwing live. And he you know, he was in the box, but I didn't know who it was at the time um, because I'm used to seeing Stephen Drew with the Red Sox and having a, you know, a beard and all that stuff. So he was clean-shaven. Um, but I knew he was, a, you know, someone who had been to either, either to the big leagues or had a, some sort of endorsement because he was Under Armour from head to toe. So this is actually kind of a funny story, but and the, probably the one time I've interacted with a major leaguer. But um, <clears throat> so he gets in there and he's taking some abs against me, and you know I think there was I think I struck him out maybe once or twice. He got a base hit, uh, like a bloop single, um, fly out, but every ball was hit pretty hard. So when I came out, when I was walking back to the, the facility to get my post throw done. He kind of approached me from behind and was like, "Hey, you know, you got some really good stuff. You got a really good arm action, very decisive." Um, and then he was telling me, you know, what pitches to throw, you know, to throw to him, kind of thing, like how how I can get him out, how I can get batters out. And he was saying, instead of a slider there, you should have thrown a changeup, um, or instead of a changeup, you should have thrown a fastball type of thing. So, you know, at the time I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's great, dude. You know, but, you know, who are you? Like, you know, I, I don't know your name. Like, why are you telling me how to pitch? And it was all blanking on me. And I had I had no idea who I was talking to. And a buddy was behind me. And he thought it was pretty cool. I was interacting with him. And we get back into the clubhouse and he's in our he's in our minor league clubhouse. And my buddy walks up to him like, hey, the major league clubhouse is over there. He goes, oh, you know, thanks. And I'm like, major league? So I walked up to him. I was like, Johnny, you know, who, who the heck was that? So you don't know who that is? So no, I, I have no idea who that was. He's like, dude, that was Stephen Drew. I was like, get out of here. Our shortstop? Like our major league shortstop? He's like, yeah, Steve, you know, Stephen Drew, the shortstop. Because I think Trey, Trey Turner was wow. injured as well. Um, and then from that point on, you know, I, I was like, oh, man, I feel so bad now because I didn't know who it was. So the next day I was doing my lift, and he was in there working out. And I approached him, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm not going to be an idiot here, but I didn't know who you were. Um, you know, I'm so used to seeing you with your facial hair with Boston and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm Phil, by the way. He goes, hey, you know, I'm great, Steven. Nice to meet you, man. And we just talked pitching, you know, how to get guys out and all that stuff. And, uh, and then another time, I think, was our pitching coordinator put all the pitchers in a room, minor leaguers, and Max Scherzer came in and talked to us. And we just talked Ooh. baseball. Uh, we talked pitching. We asked him questions. Um, he was just basically motivating us and how to be better pitchers and how to control the game. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, but whenever the chance gets, you know, whenever you get an opportunity to pick their brain, um, you always take it, but do it at the right time because they're down there trying to get better and, you know, a lot of guys that are 
non-roster invitees to the big league camp or trying to make the big league roster. So you can pick their brain, but pick their brain when, you know, baseball is, is done for the day type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's definitely really cool. You know, it's almost surreal. You know, I watch these guys on TV and then I get drafted by the team, show up to my first spring training. And that's when we had Dusty Baker at the time and I'm walking right past Dusty. I'm like, you know, hey, Skip. And I'm like, I'm like, this guy didn't even know who I am. I just called him Skip like I was on the team. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's definitely super cool to see all those guys. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's amazing. So, um, m- moving on here, um, what what are you hoping from the Nationals this season? Are, are you hoping they can make it deep with a good bullpen, uh, excuse me, good starting rotation and – Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer. Oh, absolutely. I, I think they're going to make a run for it again. And like they always do, they're always in contention. And, um, you know, I think we have a great starting rotation. The bullpen is great, too. Um, it's I, it's a consistency thing. I think with every team, it's consistency. If you can go out, your starting pitcher can go out there and give you seven, eight innings and your offense can give them some runs and they can hold the their other team to limited runs or whatever, or maybe even no runs, then, then you win a ball game. And um, I love the new manager, Davey Martinez. I think he's great. Uh, his philosophy is awesome. You know, I, I watch all the interviews and stuff on social media and um, I, I've watched YouTube videos of how he was when he was with the Chicago Cubs and Joe Madden and all that stuff. I'm surprised he wasn't a, a manager. Um, before he was with the Nats. Um, he's just a great mind, and uh, a lot of these guys, they just know baseball. They're just, from head to toe, they're just baseball guys. Um, so I'm excited to see what the season holds, and I'm, you know, I'm obviously going to watch as many games as possible, but at the same time, i got a job to do, and, um, you know, i got to make a team this spring training and perform well and hopefully, you know, make a move and make a statement for myself, and that all starts you know, March 1st when I get down there. Yeah, so you, you sort of led me right into my next question there. So um, do you ever get a chance to watch them play in person? What, what What's that like since you're actually part of the organization? Um, <clears throat> to a big league game, um, it's a lot of times I get to uh, see them play is during spring training. Um, during the season, it's really tough to get out to a Nats game unless it's an off day and we're home after the, like we're at, we have a home series after the off day. Um, Cause usually if we are on the road after the off day, we're using that off day to travel. Um, but during the season, it's, it's definitely tough. I try to watch as many games as possible, like on TV and, you know, on my phone, stuff like that. Uh, but during spring training, I definitely try to catch as many spring training games as possible. Um, you know, we can just, hit the elevator button and go straight up to the stadium. Um, if you have family in town, we can request tickets uh, to go see wow. a game and sit there with our family. So, and even at the other, even at Nats games, we can, you know, ask someone, Hey, you know, can we get, you know, two or three tickets, you know, me and my parents or my brother or whoever want to go to a game or something like that. So the Nats are really gracious and they, they, they love their guys and they, uh, they help take care of us and, you know, it's just a first-class organization all around. So I, I try to do my best to keep up with, with every level, not just the big leagues. I, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in double A or, you know, high A, the levels I haven't been to yet. So I'm always watching them, just keeping up with their stats and, you know, watching the minor league games on the MILB app. Um, so, you know, if you're a baseball person, you try to stay that way you know, over the course of the 365 days or in, in a year. So um, especially now that spring training started, I'm always on there just watching the Nationals Twitter feed and I'm trying to find as many baseball videos as possible and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, th- that's great. And um, Phil, uh, hoping all the best, wishing you all the best in spring training. I'm sure you can smell the green gla- grass and the, warm Florida weather arriving as you're going down there March 1st to start spring training. 
Yeah, I appreciate it, Josh. You know, you've been a yeah. a big supporter since I since I first met you, and um, you know, you came out to a game. I think it was two years ago. You last year, yeah, that, I can't remember what yeah, it was. Hagerstown Suns. I remember that. Yeah, it, it was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate you having me, and uh, you know, if I could um, help you out with anything, just let me know, and love to be on your show again, and you know, good luck with everything, and uh, we'll definitely yes, be in I, touch I, during the course of the year. Yes, I definitely appreciate it, man, and definitely hope to get you back on the show. And, Phil, thanks once again for joining us, and um hope to see you again soon. We'll be following you, like you said. And, yeah, so that was Phil Morse. Phil, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks. All right, that was my interview with Phil Morris from Shenandoah University, um, played college ball there, and got drafted to the Washington Nationals. And that's all the time we have on this episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. CJ, any last words? Yeah, he's got a great future ahead of him. I really enjoy listening. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we'll be rooting for Phil in the future, and um, hopefully he'll make it big in the years to come. So um, thanks once again to Route 11 Chips for sponsoring this episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, and thank you to Mild Swagger by Cosmo at PremiumBeat.com for the music, and always Dave Johnson for the intro as well. Make sure you find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Kirby on Sports Podcast, Twitter at Kirby on Sports, Instagram at Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Find us on YouTube, the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. And we are also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. I think I covered it all. So, yep. Till next week, we say so long, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Peace out. Peace out.